Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Janine Yancey about creating and sustaining a healthy workplace culture. Janine Yancey, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Oh, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to have this conversation around creating and sustaining healthy workplace culture with you today. Um, You do some really great work in this area, and I know that we're going to have a lively conversation. Um, As we get started, I just wanted to share your bio with everyone. Janine Yancey is an entrepreneur, lawyer, workplace visionary on ethics, respect, and inclusion. Janine is the founder and CEO of M-Train, a culture tech platform that provides online education, advice, and analytics on these tricky culture issues. And it is tricky culture issues, right? It's a, it, it is a challenge uh, to be able to get culture right. And I think many organizational leaders recognize the importance, but they don't really know what to do about it. And they, they're kind of floundering. And often we see leaders kind of going from one um, kind of trendy thing to the next trendy thing, just grasping at straws, hoping, you know, that they can find something that'll stick that will help their organization move more positively into the future. And uh, so I I think it'll be fun to discuss how and why that doesn't really work and (laughs) some more systematic approaches on how we can help uh, leaders uh, be more proactive, um, not just reactive in, in fostering and sustaining a healthy culture. Oh, definitely. And I think this is a interesting time to be having this conversation because just look at our headlines, you know, last week already today. I mean, organizational leaders are struggling with how do they approach these issues? They just, you know, it seems to be like uh, more organizational leaders than less are at a loss for how to, how to deal. So. I think so. Uh, you know, and it's, it's volatile time. So Perhaps that's part of it, but it's always been difficult, right? It's it's always been one of those, man. I mean, there's there's just no silver bullet for it, and it's one of those golden goose types of things people are always looking for and can't seem to find. And I, my perspective is that there's no substitute for just consistent, regular attentiveness mm-hmm. to culture-related issues over extended periods of time, and that's not what most people want to hear because they, they want, they want a fix, right? They want to be able to just correct the issue and then focus on other things, core to the business and culture is core to the business. So I think it requires a mindset shift. It's, it's like one of the most important things that leaders do in their role as a leader is to help create and maintain that kind of a dynamic environment. Um, and if they're not doing those basic consistent things over time, inevitably, 
culture will emerge. The question is, is it the type of culture that we want? And the answer is usually no, <laughs> it's and not it, what we want. And it's actually counterproductive to our, our goals and our strategy and all of those other things. Yeah, so exactly, Jonathan. I mean, I would, I would say there's a couple things for us to think about here. So first off, there's no, there's no easy fix. There's no shortcut. We know that in every facet of business, there's no one silver bullet that's gonna do the trick. And so to your point, uh, it takes being intentional and consistent, and it should be a steady cadence of the business organization, just like you've got a steady cadence on your sales, on your marketing, on your engineering, on your you know customer service, every function of the business, this is a function of the business. And it takes a point person, but it takes executive sponsorship, and it takes you know intentionality. So that's number one, no shortcuts, no easy fixes. And then number two, to your point, um, when you're not intentional and when you don't think about it, a culture will emerge. It's just not one that you particularly want. Um, and you know, at MTrain, we have created a, a benchmark of all the organizations working with us. And we have, um, you know, because we are embedding survey questions within our training content so that it shows up in a really kind of you know kind of a safe you know nice feel so people are very authentic and candid when they weigh in um, we see that that literally the number one factor uh, that indicates a healthy workplace culture are well-established norms of behavior and and another way of saying that is an intentional culture right and then conversely those organizations that are the least healthy on our benchmark all correlate to their workforce has generally and consistently said that they don't have you know, the absence of well-established norms of behavior, which means it's a vacuum and a free-for-all. That's another way to think about it. So it's either, I mean, I, I like to just simplify it. So just think about a high school classroom. Either you've got you know, somebody who's very intentional, who's leading the classroom, or you've got somebody who's out to lunch and it's a free for all of a bunch of teenagers. I mean, what do you think is going to happen? So, yeah, the, the free for all um, approach, I think, uh, really works as we try to understand why, why the problems persist in organizations. And it's when we talk about like consistency and intentionality, we're not talking about the once a year culture survey. Um, you know, I, I see that happen at organizations all the time. And they say, no, 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 we, we, we're taking care of it. We do, we do this every year. We track it. We have discussions around it. Like if you are waiting until a once a year culture survey and then waiting for those results to have discussions and almost always when I see that happen, the discussions are like punitive discussions, you know, where they're like, why, why did we see a dip in, in this category, in this category and who's responsible? Like, you're, you're totally missing the point of right, like right. how to foster a healthy culture because right. people aren't thinking about it. You have to, regular cadence does not mean once a year. Just like no. you don't do once a year performance reviews, you don't do once a year culture evaluation. You know, you, you have to, um, I mean, maybe you do a, a survey once a year, that's whatever. But um, in terms of the conversations and the dialogues and stuff, that needs to be ongoing. It's got, so I think your analogy to performance management is, is spot on. I think of it the same way. It's, it's a feedback loop. It's got to be every month. It's a feedback loop. And, and you're, as an organizational leader and your mid-level management, you're just supporting 
kind of established, like here's how we do business here. Here's how we look at these issues. Here's how we look at giving critical feedback. Here's how we look at handling a meeting. Um, you know, think about every single workflow that you have in an organization and as much as is possible, senior leadership and mid-management should be thinking about how do we want to handle that here? And they should be, you know, approaching that. And then a couple of comments on the um, annual culture survey. So, you know, I think that they can, I mean, I look at them as additive and helpful. Um, but I don't think, again, there's no, look, there's no shortcuts. And, and then those, I think, are actually complicated by the fact our data, which is all employees responding to our survey questions as they approach them in a training exercise, right? Um, our data shows that I think it's 50% will not, 50% of the workforce will not feel comfortable saying anything authentically or candidly to the employer, which, you know, my, my prior experiences as an employer, you know, litigator. <laughs> so I was representing management and I, I understand that because at the end of the day, uh, they know that they don't necessarily always rise and fall on the same tide as the employer. So it, it, it's natural that they're not going to feel 100% comfortable expressing their candid thoughts and feelings to the employer. Yeah. And the, the surveys become rather useless when they're not willing to right. to share openly, right? Garbage data in. Garbage you know, gar data, right. Yeah, exactly. So um, that, that's a, a common problem with those types of approaches. And again, just, just the mere time lag between like when problems are occurring and when you actually do the survey, uh, it's incredibly problematic. Uh, and so, yeah, we I think we both have seen that all the time. That's the big caution to anyone listening when you're trying to think about how to to really foster and maintain a healthy culture. So if that's not the answer, we've already referred to the cadence issues and some of these things. What, what are some of the big kind of strategy pieces that we can put in place within an organization? You know, say a leader's listening to this podcast, what can they do today to start down the path of, of creating this healthy, sustainable culture in their team? Yeah, so I think about it in terms of, you know, three kind of fundamental steps that every organizational leader should should at least think about and ideally take. So first off, um, you know, as organizations in my, you know, career, I've just seen for the last couple of decades, people are reacting to outcomes, bad outcomes, and they're reporting on outcomes. They're not reporting on KPIs. So as culture keepers, people need to start thinking about what are the early indicators, what are the KPIs that I can report on? And it's not rocket science, like just map back ethics into what people you know, believe are the core behaviors that lead to either ethical situations or conversely unethical situations. You know, same with respect, same with inclusion. I mean, we at MTrain, we take the view that you know, your ethics, your respect, your inclusion are kind of your main pillars that drive a culture. Everything else is, you know, additive and it flushes it out, but without those three main pillars, you really don't have anything. So I, you know, obviously would, would suggest starting there and map, map ethics, respect, and inclusion back to those core behaviors that drive ethics, respect, and inclusion. We've done so on our website. Um, that, that's our, you know, kind of uh, hypothesis of it. So that's number one, gonna look at the early indicators. Number two, 
start to survey, have a dialogue and survey, but you have to do it so that people are de-identified. So here at MTrain, as we're going through courses and, and surveying people, you know, we have technology that, that literally de-identifies people, separates the person from the person's response so that no one can see it and, and connect the two people. And you got to communicate that so people feel comfortable being candid and authentic. And we see from our data, so we have 10 million employee responses, we see that people feel candid and authentic because they're saying, you know, expressing some views that are not, let's just say, politically correct views to express. But that's, that's good. We need to know the good, the bad, and the ugly in order to understand what we're dealing with. Can I just um, chime in on that point before you go to the next one? Um, it, you know, I, I, I've, been, I've done work with organizations where they try to reassure their people, you know, give us, we want your candid feedback, please provide it. This is anonymous. You know, they say all those things, but then it's not. <laughs> yeah. um, and, you know, or, or you know, there, there isn't like a, an employee name or employee number attached to it, but they have like an IP address. Um, I've actually been in meetings with, with leaders who specifically say, you know, like executives, they say, you know, we, when someone has a harsh comment about us, we will figure out their IP address and go back and figure out their workstation. Um, and, and they claim that it's because they, they need to know who it is in order to contextualize their comment in order to know how to make improvements. Now, so, I see you shaking your head. Now, of course, that's not gonna fly with, with employees. And as soon as any kind of inkling of that, what, and in fact, it doesn't even matter if it's true or not. It, it right. could just be rumor. Right. But as soon, as soon as that rumor gets out, or, or if it's factual, as soon as that gets out, it's done. Like, you're not gonna get any good comments anymore. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, Bluer Than Indigo Leadership, The Journey of Becoming a Truly Remarkable Leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue. What some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There's no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of our problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws, and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. Yeah, so that's the employer, you know, leader not seeing the forest through the trees. So yeah, it's 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 totally natural that they're going to want to understand more about somebody's comment. I get it, but you got to weigh the the pros and the cons. Which is more valuable? Having a system of getting authentic feedback so that you have visibility as an organization as to where your strengths and weaknesses are, or or nail, drilling down on that one specific data point 
Like that, that's nothing compared to, you know, getting data that flushes out the whole situation. And, you know, just to kind of give you one illustration of how important this is, we had a client, this was three or four, three, maybe four years ago. And it was a six figure client. It was, you know, it was a nice client to have. And they were beating us up to uh, understand the identity. So number one, like I said, we don't even, I don't even see the identity. We, we see the domain name, that's it, right? Um, but then number two, and this is where, uh, you know, it got a little uh, sensitive. I said very clearly, and this was this was a, a negative sentiment, negative employee sentiment coming out of the general counsel's office. So it was really sensitive. So the assistant general counsel of that organization, multinational organization, was basically beating me up for the person. And I said, number one, I don't know the person. Number two, even if I did, no way, no how, nothing. Not gonna do it because one, it's not good for your organization, but number two, it'll completely erode any credibility we have to do the hard work we're trying to do for the whole market. So they spun off, no longer client, and you know what? It's not a fit. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's right. So, I mean, I, I just shared that example, and I appreciated your example um, you know, of why that's really so important. But I, I rudely interrupted you. So you were going on to your next thing, um, your next main point. Well, so point three. So, so point one um, is, um, oh, is to map back these outcomes into there's essential, basically their core ingredients. Think of about that too, that uh, that way. Step two, you know, in a kind of regular like dialogue feedback, you know, we we do it through training, but however you want to do it. You need to get a finger on the pulse and it needs to be some safe third party is my recommendation. So you actually do get the candid responses and you want to start to identify and measure the, what's happening in your workplace on those essential you know, behaviors, right? So you could actually make them visible and, and measure them. And then lastly, step three, as a leadership um, team of, of an organization, you need to see what your established values are. So look at your code of conduct, look at your you know, standards of behavior. And to the extent that things are happening in the world around you, which there's a lot of stuff happening in the world right now, um, you need to take a position. Uh, you know, like, and it doesn't have to be on everything, but to the extent that there are certain things that are, that are definitely directly connected to your business. Uh, so like the issue of respect. <laughs> Like you kind of can't hide or duck from the issue of respect. You have to take a, a, a vocal position of this is what respect looks like here. Because trying to duck, and there are some CEOs in Silicon Valley right now that are trying to duck. They don't want to say anything. It's like, well, that's actually saying something. Like, you know, in, in this situation, if it's pretty connected to one of your core values as an organization and you're choosing not to say anything, that's saying something. Yeah. So, so what do you feel like? I mean, you you were referring to it just a second ago, but these social justice issues, um, respect generally, right, uh, is a really important value. Uh, but then it connects to all of these potential social justice issues that may or may not connect directly back to the organization or their values. But what's what's the responsibility or the role of organizations if they're trying to have this? inclusive culture, this, this, uh, 
this healthy organizational culture, um, what's the responsibility to, to get behind these social justice issues when Black Lives Matter, uh, Black Lives Matter movement uh, moves forward and, you know, you see in the NBA, you see players, um, you know, wearing things on their, their uniforms or kneeling or, or those sorts of things, you know, they've gotten lots of praise, but, you know, on the other side, they've also gotten a lot of criticism. And that's the, that's the type of dynamic that the environment in which organizational leaders are trying to figure out what do we do, you right. know, with, with a broad array of uh, consumers. Right, exactly. And, and we know, again, from our data, that, you know, there, there is, uh, you know, let's, it's, it's probably about 15%, I should get the exact percentage, but it's probably about 15% of all of our employee responses are reflecting people that are, you know, reacting to social activism, right? So um, either they're, you know, don't want to weigh in at all, um, and or they are not embracing or supportive of kind of the, you know, the, the more vocal kind of, you know, social progressive kind of views. Um, <clears throat> and I think that a lot of organizational leaders are sensitive to that and they don't want to basically, um, you know, ruffle the feathers, if you will, of, of that 15% kind of demographic within their workforce, you know, and, and, and that's, I understand that, but again, I think that that's a disservice, frankly, to the organizational values. So um, it's up to the leader to say, this is what Black Lives Matter means to this organization. This is how, this is how we're going to navigate it here. And, and, it, and it could be some moderate kind of uh, behaviors that they are, you know, espousing or recommending, but Again, going back to that culture and being intentional, you have to intentionally weigh in, especially when, I mean, it's just naive and silly to think that your workforce, your employee base is not completely consumed or a lot of them consumed with these issues. And a lot of these issues affect them, affect employees directly. So I have talked to CEOs that, that have said, I don't want to deal with it. I just want to have people come here. I pay them a paycheck and let them do work and that's it. Well, I think that that's not understanding the kind of progress of society. Gen Z does not go for that. Oh. And Gen Z is, is influencing prior generations, you know, to adopt their same kind of viewpoint. Now that's not everyone, but I think it's more than 50% for sure. Like it's, you know, we're blurring the lines between our, our work lives and our personal lives. We're blurring the lines between, you know, our work persona and who we are as a full person. So to tell somebody, hey, just leave your full person at the, at, at the door when you clock in and just be some drone. Well, that might have been good for Gen Xers. I'm a Gen Xer. That might have been good for Gen Xers, but it's not good for the Gen Zers. They won't do it. Yeah, that you won't attract and retain good people. No. Uh, from the younger generations, if that's going to be the approach. Right. And, you know, so, that, so that's problematic in and of itself, just, you know, for the, the ability for the business to do what it does. Um, but, you know, there's also kind of the moral uh, responsibility of organizations, you know, as institutions that influence their community, the broader community, um, to be able to respond to those sorts of things. And, and, and portray some moral leadership, I think, around 
these issues. And regardless of how progressive or not progressive, you know, how moderate, you know, uh, an official statement might be that comes out from an organization, um, having the conversations is so important because, I mean, I think, for example, after the George, the George Floyd murder um, and everything that erupted uh, after that, I mean, if you have people of color in your organization that are part of your team and you're not having some sort of conversation around that at that point in time, uh, I mean, you're, you're totally missing an important opportunity to connect with your people, to show empathy, to show support. Um, you can't just say that this is the workplace, leave your own personal stuff at home. That's, I mean, that's crazy to even think that way. And, and you know, if you're, I, I get the complexities of like trying to balance multiple stakeholders and trying to figure out, you know, you don't want to tick anyone off. But at, at cer a certain point in time, it comes back to what you were describing with your big client that wanted you to give up the, the individual, you know, it may just not be a fit. So if you tick someone off because you're trying to stand up for racial justice and equity right. and right. they don't want to work with you anymore, you know what, that's probably not a bad thing. Um, and you can figure out a way forward. Well, again, it's look at the forest, not the trees, look at the big picture. So, you know, we, we have one client who, uh, you know, we had actually shared with them employee sentiment data, um, right before the George Floyd incident, letting them know, because we actually have a Black Lives Matter video lesson, right? And it was, it's reflecting what happened to Facebook in 2016. They had a big incident, you know, four years ago. Um, and there was, a, you know, some conflict there. And so, you know, we have a video lesson on it and, and we kind of showed it to this workforce of 70,000 people and could see it's about 15% that say, oh, we don't dig this, all lives matter. Don't, don't be telling us black lives matter. It's all lives matter. And, you know, you try to explain and open up the lens. And <laughs> um, so we shared this data with this one particular client. And, you know, a few weeks later, the George Floyd incident happens. They have town hall, you know, discussions. And this demographic starts being vocal and actually being prepared, not reactive, but they knew from our data that this was a thread in their workforce. So they were prepared and they took very decisive action. Like it was, it was a day later, like, you know what? You're actually not a fit for our culture. And they did that to three folks, you know, and, and, and power to them because at the end of the day, people can have their personal views but if they're going to accept a paycheck and be part of an organization, well, guess what? Then they have to, they have to at least be consistent and not destructive or undermine the organizational views. That's how I look at it. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, well, Janine, it has been a real pleasure. Uh, we could go on and on because this is a big topic. Yes. And as you mentioned early on, it's not rocket science. Like there's not much here that is so complicated that you can't figure it out, but it's about intentionality, it's about consistency, uh, it's about having a little bit of courage, you know, to, to, to establish and live up to those, those values that you state as important to the organization and, and, and build it in, you know, across the organization, institutionalize it throughout policies, practices, procedures um, that occur within the organization. That's really what it comes down to. Um, and uh, we, we, we're running short on time, so we can't go deeper today, but perhaps I can have you back another time so we can continue the discussion. But before we part, 
I did want to give you a chance to share with listeners a little bit more how they can get connected with you, find out more about what you're doing, uh, what your organization can do for them. Oh, thank you, Jonathan. So um, encourage everyone to, to check out our website, mtrain.com, E-M-T-R-A-I-N.com. And if you look uh, on one of the top tabs, you'll see a tab for um, the culture report and culture diagnostics. Um, and that will at least get people started with some ideas on how to decode situations and start to measure, identify and measure like these essential behaviors. And we have a lot of really interesting um, data and, and, and stats for people to look at that will get them kind of thinking about how best to be proactive rather than reactive on these, on these issues. Thank you very much. It has really been a pleasure talking with you today. Uh, two peas in a pod, I think. We, we both um, <laughs> love talking about this. I hope anyone listening, I hope, I hope you'll reach out to Janine, uh, find out, get connected, find out more about what she can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. alchemy of truly remarkable leadership, ordinary everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years with increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition. The average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.